Hello listeners, welcome back to Money Talk with Patrick. I am your host Patrick, trading mentor and creator of TC Trading. So in today's episode, I will be talking about cognitive biases. I will explain what they are, give you some examples of them and what you can do to avoid them. If you find this episode useful or insightful, please mind sharing it. It is really appreciated. So hello everyone, how is it going? Welcome back. Let's keep uh, talking about a little bit of psychology. I really like this specific topic and the reason is because uh, it's interesting that most people are not aware about the things that affect their um, decision making okay so whenever you take a decision usually it's not up to you entirely sometimes it's up to your brain and some of the things that i'm gonna be talking about during this episode before that i want to talk about why is trading a mental game and this is not only for trading this is really for any activity that requires high performance what 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 do i mean by requiring high performance well i'm talking more about competitive activities you know like sports where if you are not at your best or if you don't perform the best that you can most likely that means that you're not gonna win over your competition you're you're not gonna get that gold medal etc etc this is the same for trading because if you are not trading at your best every single day you are gonna be prompt to do mistakes and therefore you're gonna be prompt to lose money now it's interesting because of course in in these uh, high performance activities such as sports and so on uh, it's very specific where the mental game becomes the focus you know for instance let's talk a little bit about three different things first is a uh, golf uh, the second one will be poker and the third one will be trading right uh, if you take golf as a sport for instance um you know that there's a limit that you can kind of like mastering your technique because this is the first thing that you gotta do uh, for all of this right the first thing is that you want to try and master the different techniques but uh, the important part of these uh, three that I'm going to be uh, talking about is, for instance, if you take, I don't know, another example like swimming, potentially you can uh, train more and more and become faster, become uh, kind of like more agile in the water. And that's going to give you kind of like, like a slight advantage, right? But once that you master the techniques for golf or for poker or for training, it's not like you can do anymore, right? Mindset and kind of like this mental game becomes a more focused or a more important focus in order to be successful now as i just said from different sports you know there's always kind of like a limit that you can't break with this normal training you know even if you trade more even if you do more poker it's not really gonna give you an advantage unless you understand this mental game so when this limit is reached this is when this mental game becomes really primordial becomes the focus right so just to give you some examples let's talk about golf in a competition let's say that you know you're competing you're good at it you swing badly you know and then that kind of ruins your momentum and then just because you had a bad swing you know you had a bad uh, ball in that case uh, then all your uh, mindset breaks down and then you're like oh maybe i'm not in my game you know and that's kind of like something mental because maybe you have that technique maybe you really understand you know all the different um 
things surrounding golf. Uh, I'm not a professional. I'm, I don't even play golf, but you know, I know that this is a sport that requires a lot of mental game. Uh, similar with poker. Let's say you play a bad hand or you get a bad hand and then you get intimidated by your opponent, right? It's pos possible for you to overcome that, but of course it doesn't matter how much you learn about poker. It's more about how you learn about playing with against your opponent, measuring this kind of intimidation, measuring the different types of tilt and so on. So it becomes another type of game. Now you're not trying to play with the rules, you're trying to play with the minds of others. And trading is no different from this, right? You can really get down to understand the differences, uh, the different nuances about trading, for instance, uh, technical analysis, you can do fundamental analysis, you can also learn about risk management and everything is great like you actually need to know all those things but once that you are actually trading you will uh, be potentially prompt to be too greedy and maybe too aggressive uh, if you know if you get some losses maybe you are gonna try very aggressively to get back what you lost and you are just gonna lose even more so again once more um this mental focus changes and it's the priority for trading this is why i always kind of like highlight the importance of trading psychology for trading now why does all of this happen you know this all happened because of what's known as cognitive biases so what's a cognitive bias is a systematic error in thinking that affect the decisions and judgments that you can make well taking a decision of course now basically this is how our brain interprets uh, different outcomes or the probabilities of an outcome and it's you know there's a lot of cognitive biases i'm gonna explain the most important or the ones that i think people are more prone to that they don't understand they are unaware but they can't really have a strong impact now the first one and really the most important of, of them all in my opinion at the very least is called prospect theory now prospect theory refers to people's tendency to prefer avoiding losses to acquiring equivalent gains okay so just to explain really briefly this let's let's say that you know uh, let, let's have a single bet you and i and of course let, we're gonna kind of like toss a coin so it's like 50 50 percent right so if i win let's say that you lose a hundred us dollars but if you win you win 150 us dollars now if i give you some time to think about it potentially one of the first things that come into your mind is i don't really want to lose this hundred dollars right or is it worth that 150 just for a single bet now the logical thing in reality would be to take the bet as it is right because it has a positive risk return ratio and the most brilliant or the farthest you could get into having like the best answer for this kind of like a question would be like well what if we take a hundred trades or a hundred bets right then you would uh, fall under the law of big numbers and of course if you have a positive benefit like the one i gave you which is 50 50 but you are earning actually 1.5 and not one of you of your risk then you know that in the long term you are gonna be able to profit right you're you, you are gonna be able to succeed with this kind of bet but your instincts might have deterred you from doing this from thinking yes you can actually do that uh, and you might be uh, thinking more about the losses about i don't want to lose hundred and hundred dollars when i'm just actually earning like kind of like a hundred and fifty right uh, because chances are that you you know fifty percent that you might actually lose that
Now, the interesting part about prospect theories is that because of this, uh, you tend to give more value to potential losses than equivalent gains. And what this does or what this uh, creates is that this forces people to make big gambles to recover from big losses, right? Because if you are giving more value to losses, at one point, the value that you give to losses is so big that you are going to try to do everything to recover from that position. And this is something I'm probably the worst thing that can happen to a trader and the way that they can lose the most of their money. Now, now also what happens is that you tend to overestimate low probabilities of something positive happening while underestimating high probabilities of something bad happening. You know, and this happens a lot in life when you are kind of like saying, oh yeah, this can actually happen and you're very sure that it can happen, but in reality it has lower probabilities. It's all because of prospect theory that you think in this way. Now, another important one, which probably you already know about, is hindsight. Now, hindsight is the inclination after, you know, an event has occurred to see that event as having, you know, uh, as having been predictable, as if you could have predicted from the very beginning, oh, yes, of course, this is what was going to happen. Now, this is despite having little or no objective basis for predicting this. And this is the problem. Like, you don't know that that could have happened, but just because ha it, it happened that way, did you think oh okay yeah this was very predictable but of course it's just hindsight bias now the result really it doesn't really matter what it is it's just an outcome from a pool of probabilities and the problem with this is that it could potentially generate uh, overconfidence bias now just to explain a little bit about the hindsight, uh, for instance, uh, a very good example that I can recall is let's talk about the past elections in the US you know Statistically, a lot of people say that Trump was going to win. Why? Because, uh, you know, statistically, uh, most of the presidents have gotten a second term. But this, of course, wasn't the case. But this is when it comes like a lot of people thinking, OK, I knew that he wasn't going to be president because he did all these decisions or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm not here to talk about politics, but I'm here about to talk about the statistics. Of course, that is not uh, what happened. But again, it was just an outcome from a pool of probabilities that was there. Now, talking a little bit more about overconfidence bias, to better explain this, let me ask you some questions and try to reflect a little bit on them. The first question is, do you think you are smarter or less smart than the average of the population? Okay, do you think you are smart or less smart uh, than the average? Now, do you think you perform better or worse than the average of your co-workers, you know, and you are in your workplace, do you think you are kind of like better than the average or worse than the average? Now, chances are that, you know, the first thing that came into your mind, into your mind is the more positive outcomes, right? That you are better than the average. Even though, this is even though that you don't really have any data to back it up. Maybe you do, or maybe you don't have any statistics that really can suggest this. Maybe you don't have the entire picture in, a, you know, in data that you can say, hey, this is actually the result. So this is the most probably outcome, right? And this is a, a very important to understand because usually people are overconfident without even having the data available to declare that. Now, 
Another one is recency bias. Recency bias is believing that what occurred in the recent past will continue to occur in the future. And this is a really good one to explain. Uh, for instance, you can see this with Bitcoin, you can see with GameStop stock, or even the stock market before and after the pandemic, right? In 2017, when Bitcoin was going up exponentially, no one knew that it, uh, it was actually gonna dump. Uh, you know, it was actually going to crash the way it did. But of course, after the fact, a lot of people said, okay, you know, we could have seen that happening. Even though at the beginning, people thought that it was only going to go up. GME, the same thing. People thought that even when it was at 500, 400 in valuation, which was extremely overpriced, people still thought back then that it was going up. Of course, now in hindsight, people say, well, it was overvalued. And of course, that's why it went down. Uh, even the same with the stock market, you know, when things were going down, when the pandemic was starting, people were really um, negative about it. People were just selling instead of trying uh, or starting to buy. And the thing about recency bias is that basically it prompts both FOMO, which is fear of missing out, and FOD, which is fear of uncertainty and doubt. And the most important thing of recency bias is that past performance is not indicative of future results, not because something has happened in the past or like you probably always heard that the stock market only goes up or that the housing market only goes up, not because it has happened in the past, means that it will continue to be that way in the future, okay? Now, just wrapping up with the examples, we have two that are kind of combined. The first is anchoring bias, which is relying too heavily on one piece of information that's offered. And the second is confirmation bias, which is seeking out information that supports that initial thesis while disregarding anything else. Now, you might uh, be thinking, of course, these are kind of like combined because once you have an anchor, you are subject to think only about uh, that specific anchor and then you're trying to avoid anything else that kind of contradicts that specific anchor and a very good example of this is potentially how our parents uh, you know behave and sometimes the advice that they give uh, give to you you know like when you think about it uh, you know culture and you know decisions and the way that things were done were completely different like i don't know 50 years ago than it is done uh, right now no, maybe when they were children, they were taught specific things according, again, to that culture, which do not apply today. Now, why is this kind of like this anchoring bias? Because even though this might be true, you know, uh, things are completely different. Our parents or people, you know, uh, older and, and this could be applied in any other cases. I'm just do doing this example for the sake of the explanation, but just because they were educated in a certain specific way, that means that they want to keep doing that in that specific way instead of actually kind of like changing, instead of actually kind of evolving. And that's one of the problems that we have mostly kind of like, uh, you know, in the humankind, kind of like uh, a generational problem, which a lot of people are not really that prompt into change. But, but that's... Uh, but this is, of course, a tangent. I mean, that's potentially a topic for another episode. The point here is that they might be thinking like that and even trying to just find data that might suggest that they are right. And one of the best examples of this, which is very noticeable, is with anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists, right? They rely on, on only one um, document or only one report that uh, kind of proves what they believe, even though that there is like 
thousands, hundreds, or even more papers that actually say otherwise, right? But just because they have this anchor bias, they are kind of like prone to have this confirmation bias as well. And this is why they keep thinking what they're thinking. Now, you might be wondering, so how can, what can you actually do about these biases, right? So there's really three things that you can do about them in order to try to minimize their impact. The first thing is do not rely on readily available data. If it's easy to get access to, probably is not even that good. The second one would be get out of your comfort zone and explore other ideas and possibilities. Because if you usually are in this comfort zone, if you're in your own bubble, most likely you are just gonna try to find things that kind of make you feel better if you know what I mean. So always try to get out of that comfort zone and try, and the third one, which is important, try to look for information that contradicts your beliefs. And this is very important because if you have one belief and then you find data that contradicts, then you can have a better perspective overall and you can say, hey, well, this is what I believe. This is the data banking up, but I understand the other side of the picture. And then you can kind of like arrive to a more complete decision making. In any case, traders and listeners, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Money Talk with Patrick. I hope that now you understand a little bit more about how your brain functions and you can make better decisions in the future by preventing these cognitive biases. I really appreciate all of your support and for continuing listening to my podcast. Thank you very much for listening and I will see you in the next episode. Take care.